The views expressed here today are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of BUMG, its partners, or its affiliates. Ladies and gentlemen, it's always been my intention to get on this microphone and be mild-mannered and simply give you the facts. With that being said, I have something on my mind, and we need to discuss it. On May 14th, 2022, Peyton Gendron, a self-admitted white supremacist, carried out a racially motivated mass shooting at Topps Friendly Market in Buffalo, New York. Ten people were killed, three others were injured. The victims range in age from 20 to 86. Mr. Aaron Salter, an armed security guard and retired police officer, did manage to confront and shoot the attacker, but the bullets had no effect because the assailant wore body armor. This cowardly attack was live-streamed on Twitch. Now that you have the basics, I'll go ahead and explain why I felt it necessary to discuss this on this program. The shooter had a 180-page manifesto. 180 pages. Now, I realize that many of you are exhausted, and I understand that a lot of people don't have the inclination to read such a document. I've done it for you. I'm going to share some of his thoughts as well as some of some uh, commentary of my own in hopes to create a more aware community. His manifesto has been referred to by uh, mainstream media as incoherent, rambling, nonsensical, unintelligible, and unclear. Listen to me. It's none of these things. It is very clear. It's very well thought out. He is not crazy. He knew exactly what he was doing. It's 180 pages because of how granular the details are. The majority of the first 57 pages describe his motivations. All right, most of which are around the ridiculous racist white supremacist ideology of the Great Replacement Theory. He also waxes on and on about immigrants, Jews, and how there's some elite class of Jews that control the world. He writes, quote, We're experiencing an invasion on a level never seen before in our history. Millions of people pouring across borders legally invited by the state and corporate entities to replace white people who have failed to reproduce, failed to create cheap labor, failed to create new consumers in a tax base, in a tax base that corporations and states need to survive. He goes on to state, quote, this crisis of mass immigration is an assault on European people, and if not combated will result in the racial and cultural replacement of the European people. He detailed that, unquote, he detailed that he'd gone to this store multiple times and he even did a dry run. He wrote where he would park, how long the attack should take. I mean, he had this plan to a T. Um, he, he literally says, I've timed it. Later on, he details how the other white supremacists he associates with are in public service, <coughs> law enforcement, and in the military. 
Y'all think that's important to know or not? Hmm? Y'all think that's important to know? Now, I, there's a certain contingent of people who are going to think, Oh, we shouldn't talk about it. Don't say his name. Don't bring up the manifesto. Don't post his picture. Uh, but he outlined specifically how he wanted to connect with like-minded individuals. If you had a coworker who thought this way, wouldn't you want to know about it? If your child went to a school and there was a teacher at your child's school that thought this way, wouldn't you want to know? If your child had a classmate that thought like this, wouldn't you want to know about it? Yes, yes, and yes. So hiding is not the answer. Cognitive dissonance is not the answer here, all right? We cannot just ignore this and think it'll go away on its own. All right, it's not going to go away on its own. We must be informed. We have to be informed and we have to be alert. I'm still struggling to understand how this couldn't be prevented. Uh, last year, he threatened to shoot up his school. Were, were you guys aware of this? Last year, he threatened to shoot up his school. He was taken to a mental health facility and released a day and a half later. Meanwhile, in Orlando this past February, a six-year-old little girl, six-year-old little black girl, was handcuffed and arrested for having a, quote, temper tantrum where she allegedly kicked a staff member. Now think about that for a second. Those of you that have children. You get a call and they're saying, hey, we got your six-year-old down here at the precinct because the school called 911 while she was having a temper tantrum. Can you imagine? Is there anything that anyone at your child's school would be able to say to make you understand that? So, let me make sure I understand this correctly. So nobody thought to call 911 on this guy, but a six-year-old little black girl is apparently a menace to society. In January 2020, in Honolulu, of all places, a 10-year-old black girl was handcuffed and detained for, quote, drawing an offensive sketch. She drew a, quote, offensive sketch of another student who was bullying her. So she drew a picture and was arrested. This white supremacist thug threatens to shoot up his school and was somehow deemed not a threat. Uh, I need somebody out there to help me help me understand the, the, the thinking here. The shooter goes on to discuss more classic racist theories such as the bell curve and how people of sub-Saharan African descent have lower IQs. I'm not really going to get into that here because these things have already been debunked. He acknowledges that he's on Reddit, 4chan, 8chan, and how he's a member of several different groups. Come on, man. How, how is it possible that y'all can rope up rappers on RICO charges using song lyrics as evidence? 
but we can never find the other individuals these white supremacist terrorists are talking with online. Brent Tarrant, Tim McVeigh, Randy Weaver, Dylan Roof, the list goes on and on of people who share this same ideology. Um, if, if, if ever there was an opportunity for RICO charges to be brought, this is it. How, how is it possible that all these people share the same ideology, but every time one of these white supremacist thugs does this, they get the lone wolf narrative? Who are those 22 people who are viewing the live stream? Why aren't we hearing more about them? Why aren't we hearing more about the people who he invited into his private chat room where he spent months planning this? That chat room is basically a diary. As you read it, it becomes increasingly clear that he had a lot of help researching and planning this attack. A lot of help. There's almost 40 pages dedicated specifically to body armor. There's almost 40 pages dedicated specifically to the research of body armor. The detail here is absolutely exhaustive. Okay? He talks about the National Institution of Justice, which is the organization that certifies body armor. He goes into tremendous detail about why he chose this body armor versus that one, and how this one is, you know, uh, I chose this one, but here are some lesser ones for you to choose from. The man actually researched what bullets the cops use and what body armor would stop them. Uh, I'll remind you all that this is an 18-year-old. Again, it's very clear that someone older and more experienced helped him plan this. This is essentially a cookbook, all right? This is how to commit a white supremacist terror attack one-on-one, -on -one, which is why I had an issue with the mainstream media calling it incoherent and unintelligible, all right? If you sat this down, if you sat down and read this to a child, they'd be able to understand it pretty clearly. Um, I'd also like to remind you all that his first choice was going to be an elementary school or a church before he decided on a grocery store. Think about that for a moment. All right, and he did get into some detail about how he drew some inspiration from Dylan Roof. What is more cowardly than shooting people who are on their knees praying? He also went into tremendous detail about how and why he chose that specific location. He chose that location because of the high population of black people. He outlines that they didn't do anything to him. All right, they didn't do anything to him. But merely existing here in a, quote, white land, that's their crime. He came from over 200 miles away, y'all. All right, he lives over 200 miles away in a place called Conklin. You don't think he drove by a whole bunch of other black people before he got there? Before he got to Buffalo? This place was not chosen by accident. All right, he'd visited this store before, multiple times, in fact. 
He did a dry run there, and he knew, he knew, he knew that these people would not be suspicious of anything. Uh, how else do you explain him showing up the day before wearing the exact same clothes he wore during the attack? As I prepare to wrap up here, I want y'all to be mindful of a few things. Firstly, white supremacy is a system, not a person. All right, and the system of white supremacy has two tools. The first one is deception, and the other one is violence. Black people, please stop letting these politicians and elected officials talk to you like you're stupid. Stop letting these politicians and elected officials talk to you like you're stupid. This isn't right versus left. This is not a gun rights issue. This is a white supremacy issue. Don't let these politicians make it into anything else. Um, it didn't take but a few weeks for Asians to get an uh, anti-Asian hate crime bill. Where's our bill? Where's the anti-black hate crime law? And how is it that still, still, in the year 2022, we don't have one? As mentioned earlier, the security guard was a retired police officer. However, the Blue Lives Matter crowd are awfully silent on this one. Why is that? These white supremacist animals always look for soft targets. I'm going to leave you with a quote from my brother, Mr. Jason Black. Soft targets are the willfully ignorant, those who cannot be bothered to think and cannot be bothered to care. Being informed and being on guard is the only defense you have. Thank you very much. Y'all be blessed.